Ben Crawford went from playing football manager the game to, well, being a football manager. The local Thistle boss will never forget the chance he got to play in the juniors at the age of just 17. And that's why he'll never shy away from giving youth a chance now he's in the dugout. Brian tells us about life at the oldest continuous club which started out life in the juniors. Then we look back at his own goal-laden playing career when he was the talk of the game. His strikes for the likes of Kaluk and Cumbernauld eventually saw him step up to the seniors with Clyde. But despite being their top scorer at Christmas, he still found himself on the bench. We hear why scoring a winner for Stranraer one night saw him lose his job the next day, and how refusing to be subbed before a corner was taken led to him staring at a year out of the game. Plus, there's Roach's Roundup and Mark Mackay's Best of the West. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, no Paul this week, uh, but we've got a safe pair of hands sitting in for him. Uh, recently installed as Bradford's head scout in Scotland, it's none other than former Airdrie director of football, Stuart Miller. Good to have you with us again, Stuart. Uh, and a new job, as I say. A new job, Gareth. Yes, uh, I kept waiting for to be appointed permanently with yourself, but that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so I had to go. <laughs> and thankfully, Derek Adams has asked me to be his head scout in Scotland. So very thrilled, very honoured uh, to be associated with Derek again, as well as Bradford City. Uh, and as you know, I'll do my utmost to try and help him and the road to success down at Bradford. So absolutely thrilled with that. And uh, obviously the connection I had with Eric is working for him for six years at Ross County. So uh, delighted that that's going to be extended. So uh, thank you very much. No, we wish you well with that and been out to see a few games already. Plenty of games, Gareth. Uh-huh. And highlighting players that, that may be potential targets. Obviously, it's up to the manager to decide if they are or not. Derek lets us know what the requirements are. Uh, there's myself in Scotland, there's a, a head scout in England and Ireland. Uh, and as I said, we'll all do our utmost to, to try and uh, provide uh, Bradford City with the right type of player. Uh, as you know, there's many factors come into it, you know, finances and availability and such like. Uh, but again, we'll do our very best. Congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, good luck getting some plays in for Derek. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization or event. They now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email is our email address is down the divisions at gmail.com. That's down the divisions at gmail.com, or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 
My name's Chris Strain and I'm the Cowan Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Local Thistle boss Brian Crawford is on the show this week. Thanks for being with us, Brian. Hey there, Gareth. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down into the lower leagues and then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, we'll bring you both in on this. Stuart, it's an easy one this week. You've not got one right yet on all your appearances on the show. No pressure, but you should get this one right. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, right, looking for the club that has won the Junior Cup three times, the most recent in 1984. Right. After winning the East Region Super League in 2010... They competed in the Scottish Senior Cup for the first time the following season. They they reached the third round after beating Queen's Park in the second round. They moved to the East of Scotland League in 2018 and were promoted into the Lowland League last year. (laughs) And the last clue, former players include Ali Crawford, Louis Longridge, Willie McLaren, and Scott Pittman. Got it. You got it, Brian? You got it, Brian. Yes. Stuart, any, uh, don't give us the answer just yet, but you're, no, you're, you're, you're flapping a bit here, Stuart, if, I, if I'm, I'm might say. I'm flapping quite a bit. <laughs> uh, 1984, they won the Junior Cup. Okay. So there must have been a good, tie, a good uh, club at that time. So, See, when you say the Lowland League, that's the Lowland League with East Cobride and all that. Yeah. Right, okay. We'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Larkhall Thistle boss Brian Crawford is with us this week. Uh, Not just Larkhall Thistle boss either. Former classmate of a certain Paul Davis... I'm told, Brian, um, he's not here on the show this week, co-presenting with me. So I would just start off by saying, can you dish the dirt? To be honest, Gareth, there's not much to say in Paul. Oh, Brian. Thanks for for joining us this week, Brian. It's been good having you. (laughs) I wish wish there was more dirt to give on him, but um, no, to be fair, Paul was quite quiet at school and things like that. So he was quite an ordinary guy, nothing... Man, we can slaughter him on it. Sorry, I think you, you broke up then. I thought you said it kind of came across you saying that he was quiet. He was at school. He was pretty quiet. Was Just he? loved going to watch. Not only but he loved going to watch Motherwell. That was his. That was his pride and joy every week. But other than that, no, Paul was. To be honest, he was quite a quiet guy. Very disappointing, Brian. Right. I hope the show improves well, after that one. No, I, I hope it improves. I, I wish I could have thought of something, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he's the same class, Brian. I was he a wee bit more intelligent than you. Oh come on, Stuart. I think you know I've got a bit of brains about. <laughs> I a bit, a bit. Uh, yeah, it's the appropriate word. Yeah. Uh, well, back to the football anyway, Brian. Three uh, 0 defeat at home to Lowland League uh, big spenders East Kilbride FC in the South Challenge Cup on the weekend. Um, tough draw for you. How, how, how was it in reality? <laughs> to be fair, it's. Well, as I said to the guys, it's a, this is a free game. Just go and enjoy it. Go and express yourselves. And 
aspire to try and move up to that kind of level. That's that's your aim here. And to be fair to the guys, they, they held out for about 60-odd minutes, 63-65 minutes. To be, you're expecting East Kilbride to come and have the possession, Gareth, which they did do. But we, we had their fair share of half chances, let's say, um, to go ahead and things like that. But then we're, we're getting a wee bit more tired than their quality. Then they, they made a couple of substitutions and things like that, and their quality shone through. Um and they got the goal, and it, it kind of took the deflated our guys, let's say, because they've worked that hard and the effort they put in and things like that. I couldn't ask for any more from them. Just to try and get that goal would have been great, just to break the deadlock. And we had a right, a right good chance um, for a free kick, and they, they boyed a free header, and should have just cushioned it, let it hit his head, because the keeper had came and committed himself, and he was kind of no man's land, but he's tried to put as much power in it as possible, and he's sent it away over the bar. Whereas the pace was already on the ball, he just had to direct it. So that, to me, that was a right good chance. And then there's a couple other half chances where possibly the wrong decision taken for the guys. Um, and we could have probably went ahead. But saying that, East Kilbride had their fair share of chances as well. And our keeper had made some great saves, great defensive tackles. And it was a great experience for the boys. Great experience for the boys and uh, great experience for us as well to play against them and go and test yourself at that level as a manager and as players. So that was good. So I, I, I've not had a bit of praise for them for Saturday. How, how have you found the season so far? I mean, you're, you're sitting mid-table in Conference C. I think your your last league run out was against the other East Cobride team, East Cobride yep. Thistle. Um, you beat them 3-2. I think you've got Lanark this this Saturday. Um, how, how, how has the season been? Has it been around about what you kind of kind of budgeted for or you hope to do a little bit be a bit higher up on the games we've played Gareth I'd be, um, we've had some cheap points lost I would go for but then we've had some as the old saying goes some bad beats but you only make your own lot in football and that's what I try to say to the guys you don't get anything handy to you in a plate you need to work for it so in retrospect to the, the results let's say and where we're sitting I would probably I'd expect to be a a few places higher now. We uh, now getting to the stage we're at with the games played and the outcome of some of the games. Um, I'd expect to be a few places higher, but it's not an easy league. It's a tough league, and there are a lot of good clubs in it. So we'll just keep working hard, keep trying to improve, and hopefully pick up as many points as possible now at the end of the season. How have you found the whole conference setup? Because we talk about it on the show most weeks about. You know, some of these conferences, some of the teams, there's a big, there's a big gap between the top teams, and because it's, you've all been mixed in together for this this one season, you know, is, is it, have there been tough days? Have there been days where you just had to get through it, thinking right, it's all about next season almost, you know? Well, yeah, well, we went down to Drum Chapel um, earlier on in the season, and I think it was five one, I think it was, but it was five one, and. It was the runaround. Basically, we got a bit of a runaround off them down there. Um, and you're looking at the games going, right, well, you can only go and compete to the best of your ability and things like that. But on a level playing field, you're, it ended up trying to be a wee bit more damage limitation. But we still went went ahead and tried to go and take the game to them. But the big gulf, i.e. budget-wise there, in our league there's a bit of that there's a good bit of golf for a few of the teams with the budgets compared to others um, but again 
you just need to go and believe in yourselves, believe in your teammates and go and work hard and try and achieve something. You've been down to Lark Hall, Stuart? Uh, not, not recently. Obviously, as a manager, I was there a number of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lark Hall, obviously, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, the oldest junior football yeah. club, Brian. Uh, yeah, had had a bit of success in the 80s and 90s. They, they were always there or thereabouts. Uh, and and obviously, I started managing the juniors in the mid-90s. And Lack Hall were always considered a kind of high-profile club. Uh, but obviously, in recent times, they've, they've struggled like a number of clubs, you know, with finances. And what, what, what I found at the junior clubs was that the same people that had been running them for years sadly passed away, you know, and, and moved on. And the next kind of breed were struggling to, to kind of take over, you know, and because it's quite a commitment for any committee member never mind players and management at the juniors, uh, but certainly highly regarded in junior circles as a big club, although, again, with respect, the, the silverware's not been there in the last for quite a number of years, to be honest. But Brian's obviously trying to change that, uh, but you've got, to, you've got to walk before you can run. Uh, fitness and that, Brian, just train the Tuesday, Thursday, is it? Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Stuart. Monday, Wednesday, right. I've always been for a Monday, Wednesday. Uh, I think you'll probably know, and the reason for that is you can do quite a bit on the Wednesday, where on the Thursday you can do quite a bit, but you're playing a matter of 40 hours later, you know, so it can take a bit out of your legs. Sometimes it's, it's convenient Monday, Wednesday, because it's the only booking that you might have at a certain facility, but I always liked the Wednesday training because it gave you that extra day to recover uh, for the Saturday. I that that and that and there's two ways I look at it, sure, because when you've played on the Saturday and boys are maybe heavy legged or a bit of a knock and things like that, I sometimes look at it and say I would prefer the Tuesday so they've got the extra day to recover from the Saturday if it's been a tough game or they get slight knocks, but you can actually do a wee bit more work in the Wednesday, as you say, so you're you're more you're ready again for the Saturday, so uh, it's a, it's a catch twenty two with it. I think we are. Some it's always are, difficult. It's difficult with the with the two nights, regardless. I mean, even senior part time clubs. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I was at Dumbarton with with Stephen Aitken, and he only trained a Tuesday Thursday night, and you're having to compete in the championship at that time. Rangers, Hibernian, Dundee United, Hearts we're all in the championship and you're really trying to kind of cram in something like four hours against these full-time clubs, you know. Uh, but the, the amazing thing for me is you look at our broth and, and Dick and Ian Campbell, uh, what they've achieved with part-time players. So it shows getting in the right, the right type of player, you know, the right experience, right youngsters, and, and look at what they've achieved as a part-time club again in the Championship, you know. Unbelievable. See, I, I say to the guys quite a bit, look, we can only give you, I think we get an hour and a half a night, so we can get, we get we've got you for three hours a week. Go and do a bit yourself. I mean, go and, can't make you go and do it, but if you're, 
personally, I did it when I, when I was like that, playing the junior game and that. I trained every day just about, either mm-hmm. running the gym or, or when I was at Kirkwood with Stuart training. And I say that, look, go and just go a 15-minute run, 20-minute run, the days you're off if you're not going to the gym. It makes some difference. But sometimes I, I think it's just the breed now. I think sometimes the boys think you're, you're just trying to get them to do more work, but it does benefit you. It makes you... It does, I think, well, it definitely helped me. It helped me know when. Uh, the, the, the fitness with yourself, you know, was probably top of your game because you wanted to do it and you were prepared to sacrifice to get to a level where you could play senior football, to be honest. But that, that's got to be a desire from any young player or even experienced player in trying to get as much out of their body as they can. But... Uh, but listen, you can you can lead them to the pond. You can't get them to drink the water, you know. But ultimately, they're the ones that will uh, lose out because of it. Uh, but just keep doing what you're doing, and if you believe what you're doing, and your coaching, and your backroom staff, the support, then then you know you just you, you know that you'll get the results if you keep working hard at it. So that, that, see, I think well, I've got, I think I've got a kind of good mix in the backroom staff. I've got um, Kev Brown's my assistant manager, Stuart. You know, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, and then I've got Jason Scotland yeah. as coach, and Alan Shields as a coach as well. So uh, there's a wee bit of everything there. Um, and Alan's always he's big in fitness and things like that. He's always been like that, defensive minded. Then you've got, obviously Jason has played at the top level. Yeah. You know, I, spoke I, to, I spoke to him several weeks ago about you. Uh, right. He was running round Royard's track up in Airdrie. And, yeah. and I said to him, hey, you're at Lark Call now. Aha, aha, aha. You know, no quite Trinidad and Tobago right enough, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but no, and he was pleased to be there. I think he's pleased to get an opportunity to yeah. learn. And, and, you know, he, he, aye, he was really, really keen and enthusiastic. No, he's... he's- He's a, he's superb, so he is. He's Good. he's superb with the guys, and uh, he gets the respect that I think he should get anyway, regardless yeah. of what he's done. Every coach should get that, but he's definitely he's helped a lot of boys in the things he does at training and that. And I think the fact that he's there, the younger boys especially, I think it helps more. Were, were, were you running after Jason Scotland to ask him that question, Stuart? Me? Yeah, you said you you said he, he was running around the track and you were asking him if he was at Lark Hall. Don't be ridiculous, Gareth. It, it, you know, it was a break he was having and he decided, you know, to come over and right. to me. Uh, I, was, I was taking Hamish for a walk anyway, the dog, and, and when I put the lead across him, then he automatically tripped <laughs> up anyway. So but that's how I got a chance to speak to him. Brian, how, Brian, how have you found uh, Lark Hall as a club to kind of... Uh, manage the deal with the committee you've mentioned about the backroom staff tell us a bit about the boys in the squad and and um yeah the makeup and, and how you've kind of put all that together well, the club as a whole they they try and do everything for you guys they're they're great that way um and these guys have been there for 40 years 50 years some of them mm. um but they still try and provide everything they could possibly give which is in the current climate in the junior game as Stuart said earlier on that some of the finances that the clubs had before isn't there anymore, but you're still well treated. They try and get you the best facilities to train. So, so everything they do, um, you, we appreciate it. 
because it, it means that at least they're trying. They're trying everything they can to make it enjoyable the best they can, uh, to give you the, the platform to go and get players, bring them in. They've got good training gear, everything. So the good setup there. And the, the part the club itself it's a great old fashioned junior setup, which is is great. Um and that's what a lot of boys actually when we're trying to sign them, we take them to the club first and foremost so they see what's there see what they're going to be playing in and things like that and it, it makes a bit of a difference to be honest with you that they can see that there's still a terrace there and it's things like that. it's like a small stadium and affect them as a stadium obviously but the old-fashioned ways it used to be and some guys they, they, they like the look of that and that's how i've managed to get them on board because it's definitely not been for um for the amount of money things like that and at that level and so that's how they come because the facilities they get and they're training up we train up at dl park so Again, they've got another good facility to go and train at. So that's where that's where you manage to talk guys into coming and signing and showing a bit of ambition and uh, telling them what your plans are, what you what you're looking to do and what you're looking to achieve. So uh, and it's it's worked alright. You don't get every signing you go for, but that sometimes comes down to different reasons. Um, but every, more or less than most of the signs I've went for, I've luckily enough I've managed to get a good a good amount. So I'm quite happy with that. And then the boys, sorry guys. After you, bro. The boys themselves, their their commitment in that is it's usually the numbers at training is great, but in the last maybe six weeks it's been a wee bit different because the amount of COVID cases going about and somebody were working that's got COVID so they can't come to training so they need to get a test and things like that. But that's just what everybody's encountering at the minute. Um, so but then the numbers and that the commitment for the guys is is superb. I mean, you, you mentioned about the <clears throat> the tradition, the sort of the the ground. I mean, Stuart touched on it there. I think the club was formed in 1878. Yep. 1878, and, and whilst other clubs were maybe formed earlier, some have kind of reformed then during the time since they originally formed. So, so Larkhall is the longest continuous football club that started out as a junior football club. Um, and I think they've played at the Gasworks Park since 1881 as well. Yeah, that's it. Correct. Uh, so it's great to see that that's still there and it's still a very good facility. Um, it's, it's good to, it, I just enjoy, I think the atmosphere look, with the crowd you get and they're right on top of the players. They're no miles away from the park, they're right there. And I, that's the kind of environment I, I've always enjoyed that, um, where any crowd that's here. So you can hear everything they're shouting at you in, in some ways and things like that. And it, for me personally, it spurns me on a bit more. It should, it should do for players as well. I mean, t- talking again about the boys, I mean, I know last year when COVID hit, I think, is yep. it right that when when the boys were given the option, they said they would play and they would play for free because yes. there were no fans coming in? And, and I know, I mean, some clubs decided to sit things out. Some clubs decided to plough on and, and try and work with it. But that must have been something that was music to your ears in terms of commitment from from a squad like that. Well, even at the start, Gareth, the boys never, they never even mentioned money when it first kicked off. There was no MD come up and says, look, with the situation, are we going to get paid? Nobody said anything at all. And we'd done our pre-season and then we went to them, we went to them as, as a club and said, look, due to the current circumstances, we understand if you're looking to get paid and we can accept if, if you're want paid we can't afford to do it. But that's your right, that's your, your choice to do that. 
will not think anything of you if you say, no, I'm not going to play because I'm not getting paid. Because there was guys out there that didn't play for their clubs because they didn't get paid. So we just said this, that it's up to you. And every one of them, we, see, I said them at a training night one night and the guys, each day a man just said, no, I'm not bothered, I'm not bothered, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. It's not about money. We just want to keep playing. So that, that was music to our ears. But then later on in the season, when things go a wee bit tight with COVID becoming a, really more the the club, we made a, a conscious decision, the club that we were going to pull out just before Christmas, I think it was. I think we had to, I think we had to make that decision before the 14th of November or something, Gareth, at the time. Yeah. Um, and as a club, um, they decided, right, well, I think it's the right thing to do for the club. As to as to pull out, so we played up to then, um, and all the guys say played for free. Some of them were disapp- I think most of them were disappointed, but they understood the situation and the severity of it at the time that the club had made this decision to basically take it away from everybody's hands, and we, we decided to withdraw at that point. And in hindsight, it was the right thing to do. At the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. So the club have again have been. They've been great and they're dealing with it and they made the right decision. For those who don't know, and we're going to come on to this a little bit more in the second half of the show, you actually played under Stuart Miller three times as a player. Um, I think I think you went into Lark Hall first as Derek Holmes' assistant in June yeah. 2018. I mean, did, did you back then, did you look across at all the hair that Stuart had when you first met him? And uh, you know, see how little hair he's got left after being your manager three times, and think I quite, I quite fancy some of that. Gareth, I think he's probably more here now than than I started it. Kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> but I took you from kindergarten right enough to sign for Kirkwood. Uh, you were uh, seventeen. I was seventeen, Stuart. Yep, seventeen. 17. Right. But was was management always something that you fancied, though, Brian? But yeah, even you know, as, as you got a bit older, uh, was I? It was. It was just something that I don't know. Just some seen other guys doing, and I thought I, I, I like that. Um, and it sounds daft, but the old football manager games you used to get in the, the computer back in the nineties and things like I always done that, and it just it was just one of the things that I always thought I'd, I'd like to go and do uh, once I finished playing. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to to get involved in that and do it. So I know it's some just some some people no interest in it. Gareth is Stuart will tell you that as well. And other people is just something that they they want to do and they get the opportunity and I've been fortunate enough to get that opportunity. Did did Brian stand out as somebody who who would be a future coach? Do I know some people no, come no to it later. No, 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 particularly, and I, I don't mean to be critical of that. But what he did have, he was always willing to listen. He was always learning. He was always testing you uh, and asking you questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Uh, and I thought he's really nosy, you know. <laughs> but but he was very inquisitive. He wanted to know about things and everything. And that told me that he was a good he was a good listener. Uh, I mean, we'll get on to his goal scoring exploits and everything else in the second half of the show. But certainly, did I see him? No, not necessarily. You know, but but again, delighted that, that he is involved 
and the management, especially at such a good club like Lark Call and, and a big name club like Lark Call. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully it works out. The, only, the thing I would say is uh, he'll put 100% effort into it, just like he did as a player. Uh, and you just hope you get that wee bit of luck uh, and, and you become a success. So fingers crossed. Thank you. Is that fair, Brian? Is it something that now you're in position, it kind of takes over your life and you are putting a 100% and the rest into it? Yeah, ask the masses. She'll tell you. <laughs> it's, there's times when just sounds like I'll come in for training, and sometimes I might go on the phone and she's like, "Is that all you ever do? Just it's football, football, football." And at times you're, Stuart will tell you he's the same boat for years. Um, he sometimes bypass that part of your life a little bit because. You take a phone call at any time if it's in, if it's something to do with football, something to do with your team, and I it just be, it just becomes very very addictive. And as Stuart says, you you just end up you put everything into it, and that means every day. People think you're only there a Tuesday, a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Saturday. Oh. It's, it's every day, yeah. and you wouldn't believe the amount of hours uh, on a daily basis that you actually. If it's something to do with the football, whether it's training, whether it's boys that are struggling, whether it's trying to sign somebody, whether it's setting up and talking about a training thing, talking about a game on the Saturday, it just becomes, it just becomes, how do you put it? With it, it's it just takes over, it takes yeah. over a bit. It's even worse as well, Gareth, when when you lose a game because Aye. you're looking to for a remedy right away. So the Saturday night. You don't relax. You go and how can I put this right? The Sunday as well. Uh, inevitably, when I was ended up at Cumbernauld, I was looking if we get beat, which to be fair, at Cumbernauld didn't happen that often because it was a magnificent time that we all had. But you would go and try and sign a player. <laughs> you were making inquiries. We need to do something, you know. And these are the things you do. I, I never raised my two girls. Uh, it was Catherine that raised the two girls. All of a sudden, one's 23 and one's 27. You think, where did that go to, you know? Uh, it's no, listen, it's no nice to say uh, that I wasn't there quite a lot of the time, but as the truth. But but she allowed me to go and, and, and do, certainly, as Brian said, it's not for the financial side of it, because you want to do it, you know, and it's the only thing you know, really. Uh, and... Aye, but listen, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, and Catherine knew what she was buying into, I think. So, uh, but if you're any less than than fully committed, you will not be a success. Listen, you can be fully committed and still not be a success, but you would be annoyed with yourself if you didn't, if you, if you felt you were half-hearted in anything. You look back at managers who and, and and you know some who did it the right way some who maybe didn't do it the right way and you can you can do it the right way based on how you felt when they they dealt with certain situations uh is, is that something you tend to do nowadays i think every player does that gareth we, every manager they've worked under even assistant managers that you've worked under because they all bring something different to the changing room to the team and if there's something that you liked that they done it's something that you try, like you you try and adopt this, let's say, in some ways, because it got success there. 
where you were. And as a player, speaking from a player's point of view, if you thought it helped you, you went and uh, thought like that, that worked for me, what they've done. So you're trying to take that with you and put it into your, your training, your man management, whatever you think that's going to help. And you, I think I've took a lot from everybody I've worked with in some capacity, good and bad. Well, I'll, I'll no do that, or I, I'll, I'll, I'll do that, uh, and I think that's what you do. I think that's what you need to be your own man. But I think that you need to take these wee traits that the other managers and assistants, coaches have got, because then you can can put them all together and and hopefully get the right formula plus your own slant on it and how you want things to work and how you would you would take it forward. So I no, definitely, it's something that I've definitely done. It even works, Gareth, with managers, coaches that you've worked under that that you've not got any great fondness for, that you didn't particularly like. I mean, well documented, and I've spoke before, uh, certainly in the past, about Ali McLeod at Airdrie uh, when I was a young kid. uh, And, I mean, only a few years earlier, he was a Scotland manager, but I asked for a transfer at Airdrie and they had me running around the ash track at the old Brunfield, you know, and, and wouldn't involve me. I had to train on my own, basically, for a couple of weeks. Now, yes, uh, I was still a young boy and and maybe I, I certainly wasn't opinionated in any way, but also realised that if I ever get into management or coaching in later years, then I would make sure that I never, ever treat anybody the way that I was treated at that time. So it's okay taking the good points from plenty of good managers I played under, Craig Brown, Bobby Watson, Bill Monroe, Archie Knox and so on. But it's even the things that are in your memory that weren't so good. You make sure that you never, ever do what's been done to you. Treat people the way you want to be treated and... So, aye, Brian's right. Taking a bit from absolutely everything, everybody is, is the best way. So, what did you take from uh, Stuart Miller? <laughs> I was young then, but do you know that it was just Stuart was one of these guys that didn't matter your age, gave you the opportunity. So, that's one of the best things that I can say when, obviously, because I was young when I went to look with Stuart. But that, that, at that point in time, even when I look at that now, I think to myself, no, young guys, it doesn't matter their age, give them the opportunity. Stuart gave me my opportunity, plus four, five, six, seven other young guys. It didn't matter, and he encouraged you. Don't get me wrong, he slaughtered you if you didn't do well. Just, but at the end of the day, the encouragement you got from him, and it, again, as I say, it used to tell you to believe in yourself. Son. Believe in yourself. Believe, just go and play, enjoy it, and... That's one of the things for Stuart I've definitely took because I've got a lot of young guys in my team and I think that's trying to get the right blend as Stuart and you know we had that get a look. It was young lads with experienced lads and that's what we've tried to do, bring in the right the right blend and I say that's that all came for Stuart, that one, definitely, because we were successful. Um, but uh, there's more, he's man management as well is another thing that you take from him because he could have a laugh and a joke, but and he was he loved a laugh and a joke. But the serious aspect when it comes down to the serious aspect, you listened and you learned. Um, and I, I I try and do that myself. I like to have a good bit of camaraderie and a laugh and a joke. But when I'm serious, the guys know when I'm being serious. So I that's one that's a few things for Stuart that I've I've actually took with me and used. 
and I still do. I, th- I think when you've signed somebody three times, uh, Gareth, you know, and that was a case with Brian. Okay, it's from there. Neil was the manager, uh, and to be fair, you know, we, we we thought very similar about a number of players, you know, and and if I'd said to Neil, we need to sign Brian Crawford, uh, were you still at the time, Brian? Yeah, I was. Sure, I was. I was. Uh, and and Neil backs me a hundred percent, saying right, okay. But Neil knew his record in the juniors, and in fact, the seniors when he went to Clyde as well. So it, it was a no-brainer. Uh, so it's nice, but. Ultimately, it's up to the player. They 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 are they are wanting to be a success, and they're prepared to to do everything they can to be a success. So, uh, nice words for Brian. Don't believe a single word of them. You know what I mean? But they're nice, nevertheless. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's roundup with Des Roach. Thanks Gareth. Well for this week we start a round up in Renfrew as they have appointed interim manager Jimmy Quigley as their new boss. Quigley, who is part of ex-gaffer Colin Clark's backroom team, also has a long association with his hometown team. This stretches back to 11 years as a player, including winning the Scottish Junior Cup in 2001 and 10 years on the coaching staff. Pollock, they have moved to beef up their striking options by bringing in experienced 34-year-old Tommy Coyne from Linlithgow Rose. Coyne was prolific at the Rose, scoring over 300 goals since joining in July 2009 after spells up the divisions at Kilmarnock, Albion Rovers and Dumbarton. Up in the Highland League, for Martin United are looking forward to welcoming Forfar Athletic to Pitmeden four years after beating them on their last visit. Indeed, for Martin are defending a very proud Scottish Cup record against teams from a higher level. Since making their Senior Cup debut in 2012, they have never been beaten at home by any senior team from League 1 or League 2. Another team in the Highland League hoping for a cup run and a tie against one of the big guns is Neon County. County face Aberdeen based Banks of D at Spain Park this weekend and experienced frontman Connor Gethins is relishing the tie. Gethins has experienced ties against the likes of Celtic while with Ross County in 2004 and he would love nothing more than another crack at one of the big names in round three. Ahead of their massive Scottish Cup tie at Stranraer, Darvel have signed 24-year-old winger Cammy McClear from league rivals Clyde Bank. And McClear goes straight into the squad will travel down to Shamrath this weekend. Making way and leaving Darwell on loan to return to his previous club Blantyre Victoria is striker Aaron Black. Aaron made a sensational return by scoring one and assisting in the other in last week's 2-0-1 over Cumnock in the South Challenge Cup. Well, that's enough for me. I hope you all enjoy your football this weekend and back to the guys. Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt, manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Lockhoff Thistle boss Brian Crawford is on the show this week. Well, we've touched on it already, Brian. Um, you started your career at Kaluk Rovers. 
um, where the manager was a certain Stuart Miller. Uh, I think he gave you your chance. I think you said at 17. You won promotion there. Um, take us back to those days uh, and what that was like. I mean, it seemed to be that, you know, yes, Stuart gave you your chance. Um, but, you know, you then went and did the business on, on, the, on the back of that as well. Did it just all kind of, does it seem like a, an eternity ago now and a bit of a blur? No, it seems like yesterday. Is that right? It seems like yesterday. I still remember it. against Royal Albert. And I think I scored after about 15 minutes or something, Stuart it was. And mm-hmm. it still feels like yesterday, that game. Even for the first game, I went up in a midweek game and the snow and everything was belting down. And I went up playing the wee trial game in the midweek. Um, I think I scored a couple of goals that night as well. And again, I, when I went up, I didn't know what I was getting into. But I just, I was one of these guys, Gareth. I just, I just wanted to play football. You know what I mean? So some guys are a bit withdrawn, a bit shy. I wasn't in your face forthcoming that way, but. It was football, so it didn't matter who was in that changing room and who I was going to play with. I would just go and do my best and try and succeed. And, well, I managed to obviously show something to Stuart that he decided that he was going to sign me. Did he stand out as soon as you saw him, Stuart? Uh, his attitude stood out, Gareth. Uh, he's right about the wee trial game. Brian got recommended. He was at Law Village, so it was very handy for Kerluk and... Uh, I was fortunate that there were people in and around Kerluk that were kind of looking out for players for us. And Brian talks earlier about uh, a number of young boys coming. Uh, that's nice because p- people recommend young boys to you. And uh, Kerluk had no money, obviously, at the time. But we also made sure that we had to try and bring in the right experienced players as well. But in Brian's, Brian's situation... He was 17. He got recommended to me and he came in a trial and I knew right away that even before the trial, I liked his attitude. He was he was smiling. He was keen to do well. He had the right physique about him. A bit frail, yes, uh, but he was sharp, uh, good pace, wanted to learn and uh, I had no hesitation in signing him, I think, for a pair of boots or something like that. He certainly was easy to deal with. Uh, and and it was absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. I didn't think for a minute that it would start every game. No, at 17, when obviously in those days in the mid 90s, it was really a lot of kind of older players that were playing junior, and a lot of younger ones that were loaned out. I mean, before I went to Kerluk, they had a couple of players from Motherwell. One of them, in fact, was Lee McCulloch that was loaned out. Uh, so. Uh, I was trying to do things a bit different uh, and oh, unbelievable. His attitude, wanted to learn. Yes, very raw at 17, but i just seen something in him. And what a goal scorer. If you gave him the opportunity, he would score. Uh, more so on the right-hand side, but he wasn't too bad on the left either. Couldn't he header the ball right enough? He was hopeless in the air. Uh, he didn't even bother jumping. Uh, but... Oh, and and the, the, the older players just loved having him there, uh, especially if you were up front with him. He would do all the running, you know. Uh, but we had good experienced players. Wally Forsyth was there. George Weir ended up coming as well. And, and, 
just experienced junior players uh, and uh, Archie Love came as well, Craig Young came. We, we, we just terrific, terrific time for Kirkluck. Uh, I'll give you a, a funny story about when I went to Kirkluck uh, and we had no money. Brian talks about it like Lark Hall, whatever, you know, the finances, he just couldn't compete. And Brian will tell you that before I went to Kirkluck, Kirkluck had finished bottom of the lowest league. Uh, Clara Kay, who was an absolute gem of a lady, had been basically running Kirkluck Rovers. And I went and watched them. I, I'd applied for two or three jobs in the juniors. Uh, and one of them, I think, was Shots, maybe Royal Albert. Uh, and Kerluk, and I only got a response from Kerluk, basically saying, yes, if you're interested in us, we would be interested in you. And I'm thinking, oh, it shows you how many's applied for this job. So uh, I went up and got interviewed. The interview lasted about five minutes, and Clara gave me the job. Uh, well, I thought she'd gave me the job. I just wasn't quite sure. We had a chat and then she says, I'll see you next Tuesday then. <laughs> I thought, I take it, I've got the job. Uh, so I decided, how do I, I mean, with no money. So I had to try and obviously sign players. And I, I got a contact at the Mizuno factory uh, in Cumbernauld and ended up going and meeting the guy. Sorry, I can't remember his name, but I do remember he was a Clyde fan. And with me, obviously, being a player at Clyde, there was some connection. And and he asked me to come and see him. And he says, "Eh, I can do you a deal in Mizuno Boots. And it was all the reject boots that that Mizuno had. Eh, And that was... (laughs) <laughs> that was what you got when you signed for Kirkluck Rovers. You got a pair of Mizuno boots. Now, were they too, were they they too right? Were they too right? Left, foot, left feet, you know. But they had a wee flaw in it somehow. So the signing on fee at Kirkluck was a pair of Mizuno, Mizuno boots and playing at a nice stadium. Uh, and and we would give you a chance. So that was it. And certainly Brian, Brian took that opportunity and... Uh, and again, we'll talk further about uh, his other clubs that he was at. Yeah, so you mean you, you won promotion there? Then I think you moved on to Foldhouse next, and then and then you went to Cumbernauld United, where I believe the manager was again a certain. I think it's Stuart Miller again. I think uh, by the looks. Yeah, I think it was a it was a spell when Stuart left Cumbernauld, um, and he went to Blantyre, and I think he tried to take me to Blantyre with him, and it didn't happen for whatever reason and you know I, I actually got a bit I was a bit um, this happened no through Stuart's fault that, that when I was still at Kirkluck it, it was just totally different when he left and I was used to that and I was used to his methods and I, I just wasn't enjoying it at Kirkluck at all um, after he left and eventually I played in a, a I played against a guy called uh, Tom McCafferty, who Tom was at Short Stuart, if you remember him. Uh, I know Tom well, right. right. Mm. Tom um, was at Fault House with Jimmy Creese at the time. Uh-huh. We, played, we played against him in a friendly, I think it was, and then they asked us to go up, and you know that I couldn't get away from, and it wasn't at the club, it was just at the time it just wasn't right, and I couldn't get away quick enough and went to Fault House, where I probably had the worst four months of my life in terms of football. Uh, I just I couldn't buy a goal. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. Gareth up there, and then all of a sudden it just clicked. 
and we played against Stuart in a pre-season game uh, with Cumberland and Folthouse, and I think I scored. I think I scored the winner that day. Um, Can't believe that, Brian. No, I think you're, I think you're mistaken there. You know, was it an own goal? And uh, and then it was a following season event over to Cumbernauld with Stuart. I left Gareth Cumbernauld in uh, 1998. It was the year we won promotion. Uh, I just... Cumbernauld or Carlook? Sorry, I say Cumbernauld. I meant Carlook. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, I left Carlook. Uh, I was there in 95 to 98. And uh, we'd won promotion. Uh, uh, again, terrific for the boys. Uh, Port Glasgow, I think, beat us by a point, didn't they, for the title, Brian? And Greenock. Sorry? Greenock, was Sorry. it not? Greenock, ah, you're right, it was Greenock. Gordon Greer uh, played, played for, for Port, uh, Glasgow. Port, played for Port Glasgow and the boy Canning as well that ended up going to Clyde. Yeah. Right. Am I right? Or, right? I think I'm, I'm right there, aye. So you're right, no, Port Glasgow. Ironically, we beat Port Glasgow 6-0 up at Kirluk, you know, one game. Uh, but they obviously, they won the league uh, and they beat us by a point. We were also promoted. Uh, I just felt everything had been achieved at Kirluk. I couldn't take it any further. There was a consortium, Derek Brown uh, and his people coming in and, and I felt it was best taking a step aside uh, and let them go on with it. I was fortunate that Blantyre Vix decided that they wanted me to be manager uh, and foolishly I, I took the job. Uh, I tried to sign Brian, he's right, when he was up at Fault House, but it didn't happen. And to be fair, uh, it didn't last long at Blantyre because uh, in those days there was interference from the committee and such like. And it wasn't for me where it could look. I was allowed to kind of do what I like and sign my players and such like. So it was best to move on and I moved on to Cumbernauld. But what, what one of the first things I did was to, to obviously try and sign Brian. Uh, and uh, we managed that and just a phenomenal start to his Cumbernauld career where he scored something like, I mean, Brian will tell you the exact figures, but in the first three, four months of the season, it was maybe nearly 30 goals he scored. And uh, Clyde came in with, with a huge offer uh, and the club accepted it. And, you know, talking earlier, in fact, I was talking today to someone about you give that you give someone the opportunity to go and play. You're not going to stand in their way when they've got a chance to go and play senior, especially somebody like Brian uh, that that had previous and he went and obviously, as I said, was phenomenal at Cumbernauld and went and signed for 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 Clyde and uh, and again did very very well there. But I think we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean you had that. As Stuart said, the spell at Cumbernauld where you scored the 30 goals by December. How, how are you feeling back then? Is that you just feeling like you're going out of that park and you're, and you're scoring? It was just one. To be fair, Cumbernauld was an absolute great club for me and probably for Stuart as well. Just, um, just one of the things that, again, again, it's probably helped with the influence of yourself being there again influencing me the way he did before um, and again believing in it um, so it was me just repaying him but 
that always sticks in my mind that the first game of the season he dropped me and never even struck me but I'm not against Rob Roy yeah. I turned up Saturday and he stood behind the goals because I wasn't stripped um, but I was, I was resting you Brian it was a tough that <laughs> League Cup programme you know midweeks and Saturday so you were just getting a wee rest that was all I can, it, it was the something I, I worried about Gareth I, it was just the way it was and I, I just wanted to again all I wanted to do Gareth was go into the park and score goals and the team to win that was that was my aim do the best I could work as hard as I could score goals and hopefully the team won just win and it happened it, it just seemed to it, it didn't matter I don't think it come around it didn't matter what I'd done every time I seemed to touch the ball it just seemed to seemed to go in the right place in the back of the net <laughs> Uh, and that sure, I sure was right. It was, it was, I think it was 29 goals or 31 goals. I can't remember exactly, Stuart, what it was no. uh, for the end, for the end, the middle of October or something. Like it was and mm-hmm. it, it, just uh, ones that he, he was hungry. He was hungry, Gareth. You know, it, and see him talking about me leaving him out. That was to make him even hungrier. That's all that was, you know. And his frustration then he would take onto the park. Because I don't know what went on at Fault House, but it certainly wasn't very good, you know what I mean? Because he hardly scored a goal. But at Cumbernauld, just everybody in junior football were, was talking about him. The goals that he scored, uh, just a phenomenal record uh, that season. And as I said, when when Clyde came in, we, we played Clyde, Brian, remember, in a, a, a game? The Millennium Cup. All right, I'm glad you remember these things, you know. Uh, Millennium Cup, and we beat Clyde, we beat Clyde at Broadwood. That's about the only time I won as a manager at Broadwood, right enough, you know. Uh, but, uh, and I take it you scored that night. Uh, the two you scored, okay, right, Brian. Just correct me if you think I'm wrong in any way. So... You know, and to be fair to Clyde, they were getting run by Alan Maitland and Ronnie McDonald and such like good good football people uh, that had done an incredible job at Clyde uh, and they were well within their right to want this young striker that was scoring goals for fun uh, and and ultimately they paid us quite a bit of money to, to get you. The club were delighted. I was delighted that once again, a player that had brought through as a kid was getting an opportunity to play senior, you know, and, and and he certainly did well at Clyde also. Yeah, I think um, I think it was a club record fee that Clyde paid, a club record fee for Cumbernauld United receiving um, in that December 2000. I think, Brian, you scored 18 goals in 42 games at Clyde. How did you find that? Was was stepping up to the seniors something you'd always kind of dreamt about doing at some stage? I think it's every boy's dream, Gareth, that plays football to be a professional footballer. Um, again, I, I, people ask me that. I must have done this, you must have done that to get yourself there. There's a lot better players than me out there, Gareth, at the time, technically and everything like that. Maybe didn't want it as much and worked hard, and that's that's how that was just how I was brought up. To be honest, I was I was brought up that way, and I worked hard, and I just I wanted it was Stuart O'Kelly, you know, was that it was something I wanted, and I was determined that I would do everything I possibly could to get there. And again, I was fortunate. Again, I went to Clyde. I was still obviously high because of the the goal scoring and then the move and everything, and I started off. 
really well and started scoring goals almost, I think it was my third game, uh, I started scoring and sometimes uh, it's one of the things that guys will adapt to like that just to be naturally another guy sometimes doesn't work out or it takes a bit more work but again I just I just my attitude was just to go and work hard keep doing what you're doing try your best and again score goals and hope the team wins I was fortunate enough to go in in that season and get a few goals and uh, and do well did, did you feel um, it was not unfair, but did, did you feel you, you deserved more? You could have stayed there longer. I think it, you were there two years and joined Stenhouse Muir 2002. Um, ah, there was times, and every player will say that when they're, they're not getting played, but there was times, Gareth, I thought that I should have been playing. Uh, I wasn't the type of guy that was that I should be playing like that manner, but there was times I thought, how am I not playing? And, uh, I'd maybe come off scoring the Saturday. Like I started the season off and I'd scored uh, in the second season especially. I started the season off. Scoring, I wasn't playing against Inverness in the first game. Somebody got injured, I come on and scored. Went down to Morton in the midweek. Uh, I played really well. I didn't get a goal, but then in the Saturday away at St Martin, I scored. Uh, we get beat 4-1, but I scored again. And then I was dropped in the Saturday. Um, well, geez, oh, why? What's going on here? And then it, it kind of went like that for a few weeks. And then I, I remember it was uh, one of the, the, the day of the, the world's biggest tragedy, the Twin Towers, were playing Stenhouse Muir in the Cup. Uh, and again, I turned up, as I always do, ready to play, was on the bench. Again, we were getting beat 1-0 at half-time. I get put on, went on and scored. Game went to extra time, I scored again. Um, went into penalties and I had the first penalty and scored. And... I get man of the match from the CIS insurance and went to the game the Saturday and was on the bench again. And that's the kind of second season went like that. Um, and then the following week, I get, we played a couple of weeks later in the Cup. It was Marty St. Johnston. Went on, scored again, come on off the bench again and scored. And again, the Saturday, I was on the bench. And I, I was trying, I couldn't understand what was going on. Uh, and it kind of went like that to Christmas time. I played a couple of games and I was back out. Uh, and I asked to leave, to be honest with you. Uh, just at the turn of the year, I asked to, I asked to get put in the transfer list because I was still sitting the top goal scorer at Christmas and I'd only started six games, I think it was. I just, I, I didn't know the reason, I didn't understand it. Um, and I asked to leave and it was kind of, I was told, no, I'm not letting you leave and well, can you put me in the transfer list? And I was told, no. And then I was I was took in one day and I was told um, George Fairley at the time, my brother's at Stennis Muir, well, you can go there. But I'd already heard there was other teams interested in us, but I was told I wasn't going to them because we were in the same division. So I questioned it. I said, well, if I'm not good enough to play for you, you shouldn't be worrying about coming to play against you. Hmm. But it didn't happen. And then the, they let like, everyone, Ronnie McDonald's guys left and Alan Kernan took over and I kind of get back into the few games to the end of the season. Um, was go, we spoke about renewing a contract. Uh, he was going to do it, but then when I went in to speak to him when the season was over, he told me the chance to sign Willie Faulkner. And, uh, he was going to that option up and I was the only striker out of, out of contract and the club couldn't afford to pay him the off and he decided to go with Willie, which is fair enough. Guys being there, done it, Premier League and disappointed at the time, but you accept that. You accept it and get yourself ready. 
spoke to five or six clubs that summer to go to and at the time I thought and probably could maybe I'm a, I consulted with a few people more but because John McVeigh tried to sign us Stuart, I played a few a game for him in that when I was at Cumbernauld and I thought well this guy's chased me for a few years I'm going to go there and um, I went to Stenishmuir I thought at the time that was the best option but again in hindsight I ended up doing what Stuart had done as a boy training on his own and things like that uh, in the second season and I did well in the first season uh, the few people tried to sign us in the summer and I was told he was to go to the start of the next season I didn't start a game again coming off the bench scoring goals and it was like the same scenario all over again that um, that happened down at, at Clyde at this, at, before I left but it's football you just go on there and eventually I was training in my own um, and then there was three or four of us training after the guys were training on a Tuesday night up and just running same on a Thursday and uh, it was eventually I spoke to Stuart I was going to go to Elgin actually it was David Robertson asked me to go up to Elgin I was going to go to Elgin and then I spoke to Stuart and he said to me about going down to, to Stranra and ended up well when that when that option came that offer came I wasn't going anywhere else it was always I was going to go back to Stuart and how how was that? I mean, it was a uh, some 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 few years at Stranraer, wasn't it, with the the League Two promotion? Best uh, best club, best squad of players, best management, the best time in my life in football was down at Stranraer. It, it was just as Stuart said earlier that the guys it, it was a it was everyone was together. There was no at some clubs and again you'll know yourself, Gareth, I'm sure it. There's sometimes we cliques in a club at Stranraer. We didn't have that. We we done everything together as a as a club, and that was Stuart and that included. Like we'd go out for meals some weeks and things like that. And the guys before having a night out, it wasn't just four or five. It was going. There was twelve, fifteen going. Uh, it was just one of the, the best times of my career. It was down there. I think, I think Neil's got to take a huge amount of credit, Brian, for that. You know, Neil's. I've never come across anybody that, that that's got Neil's man management skills. Really, really, I mean, it was second to none. It really yeah. was uh, how how he treated people and and what he expected of them. And and these these players were running over broken glass just to, to do anything. If Neil had said, "Go to the top of that twelve-story building," you know, and and just jump off, but you'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine. You'll you'll land in your feet. You'll be okay. They would have went and done it, Gareth. You know, yeah. but his man management skill was outstanding. And uh, with a group of players, what didn't just happen that he created a group of players and they all got on with each other and they, they all had a great attitude and such like that. You know, that was decent recruitment. Uh, the, the, the best judge of a player is other players. You know, and, and when we went into Stranraer, they'd been relegated. You know, we went into Stranraer and it was a matter of assembling a group of players along with the existing good players that were there, Derek Wingate, Fraser Wright were already there, Stephen Aitken was already there, uh, and we added to that, you know, and, and Michael Moore was already there, but to add the likes of David Graham, you know, and, and Murray Henderson, Brian, Andy McConaughey, Stephen Swift, Jeez, oh man, it was just, I mean, Brian spoke earlier about, about management at Lark Hall and, and 
been a way to Drumchapel and, and the resources that, that Drumchapel have got. And good luck to them compared to, to, to maybe other clubs in the division. You know, we were in a division with Gretna. You know, and imagine what we were up against then. We were also in a division where Albion Rovers were full-time. Sterling Albion had, had huge resources. And we won the division with a record points tally. I remember the, the, the Brian that the, we beat Albion Rovers in the last day of the season. We, we were already promoted, but to actually win the league, we needed to beat Albion Rovers. <laughs> we, we go a couple of goals up, and Brian Brian was on the bench that day. Uh, again, no reflection in him because Michael Moore and David Graham were up front, and between them, they must have scored nearly about 60 goals that season, you know. Uh, and Brian comes up to me, uh, any chance he going on? <laughs> I remember it clearly. And I says, right, I'll have a word with Neil, you know. And he went on because it just felt as though he could score every time uh, he went on the pitch. It's worth noting that, that Brian's contribution when we did win the league, the amount of goals and vital goals he scored, uh, I remember one at Cowden Beath midweek, Brian. I lost my job because of that. Because <laughs> I was you? injured. Remember well, I was injured, I just didn't well, drop it. You better tell Gareth the story then, you know, because I've got a disclaimer here that's nothing to do with me, you know. So oh, we, we, we need to hear about this, Brian. Oh, what happened, Gareth? I, I got a knee operation in the January. I got injured at training on the 1st of January. And Neil, we took into Ross Hall. And I got a knee op, so I was just coming back for the knee operation. So I worked with um, a good friend of Stuart's and mine, Martin Kiernan. So, but it was an English company, and we were we picked us up in the bus at Newhouse, and I was heading up. And Neil came up and sat next to me and says, "How do you feel about maybe going on the bench tonight?" And I was like, "Right, okay. Well, I'm still off my work. I'm still off my work because of the knee operation." And I thought. Why not? <laughs> I'm back. I'm, I'm back involved. That's right. Great. I hadn't really trained much to be fair, Stuart. If you remember, I think I'd done a couple of sessions with um, Walter <laughs> in a Saturday at the ground up and down the stairs and stuff. And I thought, right, I am taking this. I'm going on the bench. So I think we were getting beat one 0 at the time. And uh, Neil asked me, "How are you feeling?" I went, "Hey, great. Hey, right, get ready. You're going on." And all of a sudden, next minute, I've managed to. Think that the first or the second shot I can't remember if it was the first or the second goal um, for me I don't know I always remember it as a one and goal Brian you know what I mean and and, yeah. and I remember it was at the far away it was a left hand side goal and it just yeah. dropped in the box and, and, and you were in the right place at the right time and you, you rattled it and we the celebration that we had at, at that moment uh, and it was just unbelievable. It really was, considering you shouldn't have been in the park in the first place. But oh, uh, hi, so it was great. So obviously it comes up on Sky Sports News. <laughs> <laughs> One of the bosses from down south uh, was sitting watching Sky Sports News and seen I had scored first and that. And uh, Martin, <laughs> I went to work. Martin phoned me and says, I think you need to come in and see me. You'll need to sign this resignation letter that you gave me last week. <laughs> he said, because, oh. <laughs> well, they're obviously, you sh- you've been off your work. You're no, no fit to work, but you've just went and scored five sports. He said, so, he said, can you sign that? And I'll submit it and say, I forgot to submit it. And it was a week ago he gave me it. Uh, so, that goal, 
uh, lost me my job. <laughs> but hey, uh, again, seeing in hindsight, I would have done the same thing again, Gary. The same opportunity that rose at the time, I would have took the chance and done the same thing. Brian, after Stranra, you went on to, or you went back into the juniors with, with shots in 2005. I think you scored 32 goals in 26 games, but I think, was it in the September of 2005 you, you did your cruciate and then yeah. that was you out for the best part of a year? I mean, how, how how tough was that? Because I think then did you come back and do it all, all over again and that was well, virtually game over at 27? Yeah, what happened? It's quite ironic. I just, just did a call to the Scotland squad um, when I was at Shots, but I think so I never get the opportunity but I think somebody mentioned it to me after I'd went to Clyde that I was supposedly called up at the end so I'd missed it because I'd left Cumbernauld and went to Clyde so Aye, There's no doubts that you would have been called up then because I, I do remember Gary McPhee who we obviously took to Stranraer as well Gary became the first Cumbernauld player for oh, a number of years to get called up with the Scotland Junior Squad uh, but yes, you were getting a call up, but when it came to money, the club just <laughs> they didn't bother about the call up, you know. Uh, and I, listen, I, th- I think the opportunity to go senior uh, or get a Scotland cap, ideal if you had the two of them, you know what I mean? But it's a shame how that didn't happen, you know. Football, but again, I was the shots and I typed Stuart S. Ian Murdoch, who was in my understand. It said to us about it. So we we're playing a cup tie in the Saturday and at Vela Clyde. And again, me being me, we were winning 3 nothing, and I'd scored three of them. Uh, and it was about half hour to go. And he said to me, right, will I take you off? And I said, no, I'm not coming off. You know that way, because I just I wanted to score more. And no, I'm not coming off. Uh, and I said, right, after this corner then, and the corner get took, Broke the guy, played it up to me, took it in, in my chest, played it to the left, spun it to the right, and that was it, all over. Just no contact, nothing. It was just the way I spun to the right to turn away, and that was it. Down I went. Um, that basically, I that was that was it. And uh, but I came back for it. Um, I was back. That was in the September. Got the operation at the turn of the year. I was back for pre-season. Uh, did was doing okay, and then one night at training, uh, turned and right away I knew it was away. Yeah, just see for the experience of the first one, and I said to the physio, I said it's away again, and she came over, and by the time she came over, the knee was huge. Again, I, I battled. I'm not a quitter, Gareth. In any way, I, I made, I got the a second operation on it, um, and I come back again. I thought I'll come back, come back again. And I went in my part of my rehab. One of one of my friends, Paul Anderson, had been up to fourth as, I'm a, as the manager. And Big Paul asked me, and he said to Ian Murdoch's Dan, he said to him as well, "Is there any chance that Brian can come and give me a hand at fourth? Because obviously he's no playing and things like that. And he, I could he, he could probably help me with the coaching and things like that. So I did. I went away up and. At the end of that season, you know that way I hadn't really played, but I was still doing a bit of training, and I thought. I could play again here, you know that way. And Paul said to me, "Oh, you sign here then. Just if if you want, sign here in the club." McCormick and Paul McManus, like sign here as a player and do your coaching. And so I says, "Right, okay." Uh, and I did, but 
due to work commitments after a month or two, I ended up, I, I finished all together in a way, that was me finished uh, with work. So at that point in time, work was more important and I had to, to think of that. So I went with my work and everything and then I, I, I went, Paul took the lot call job actually. Uh, a few years later and he phoned me again he said do you fancy coming over and give us a wee hand with the coaching so I said aye aye okay so I went there for a while and um, was helping Paul with the coaching ended up playing a game or two again uh, but I didn't really have any intention if I'm being honest to come back and play because it was a good few years of my life Gareth where I was in crutches and things like that and I thought no I'm no I'm 32 I'm not really wanting to play and then Again, funnier things happened. One day I got a phone call from uh, Stuart Thompson. Uh, Sandy's looking for you to come up and help us at Lesbian Hago today. We've got 13 players. Can you come and help? And I'm like, I'm not in any shape to come and help and play football. Uh, he's like, oh, just come up, help out, help out. And I way up and next minute I played till I was 36. We, I played just a few junior clubs after that to 36. But, and then I retired at 37, I retired. But I, it's just, uh, that day was probably if I had just been off when I was supposed to go off. But me being me, didn't want to go off. Wanted more goals than they wanted to stop scoring. For somebody who, you said earlier on, when you when you started out at, at Kaluk, you just wanted to play football, you just wanted to score goals, to have that ripped away from you like that, and I guess presumably you, you didn't come back the same player that you were before the injury. How, how tough was it psychologically at times during all that period, especially especially when you did it again and you knew then exactly what you'd have to go through the second time? You know, the first time it's all new and fresh, I suppose, isn't it? You don't know what's going to be in front of you. Uh, I, I, it, didn't, it, it didn't affect me, Gareth. I was one of the guys that I, it didn't let things like that affect me. I, I was always positive um, in the way that I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. And that that's that was just the way I was, and and I did the first time I did come back. The second time, I made the decision due to work, but I probably if it didn't come down to work and having to work away, but during the week and most of the time, I probably would have played again, you know that way. But obviously, at the time I had to make the decision that work was family, family and things like that, and you've got to make sure that you you're providing there. So. Um, but again, then when I get the chance at 32 and Les Mahigo, I went back and played. I'd made that I'm going back. I, I went and trained a couple of times with them and enjoyed that. And you realise what you, at that point you realise what you miss: the changing room, the, the, the everything they do with the changing room, getting ready on a Saturday morning. No, I never ever went out and ever on a Friday night. But preparing again on a Friday night, um, the way I've always prepared on a Friday, because you're looking forward and you get that. I was like a teenager again to the buzzy playing football on the Saturday. Um, so I, I never ever let any of that get me down in any way. Uh, it was just something that ever affected me. I knew uh, the, the decisions that were made were made for the right reasons when I made them, but I never let anything get me down. Well, I mean, was it was it a was it a bigger hammer blow for you then after having gone through the two injuries that in his hour of need when he was the Clyde manager. Stuart Miller did not come calling for you for a fourth time? Aye, I was gutted. Because I was 35 at the, 35 at the time. I, in I your prime? Something in the leg. Aye, in your prime? I could, have, I could have saved him. I could have saved his job from there, Gareth. <laughs> no, no, I can assure you, Ronaldo couldn't have saved my job. 
Uh, I think it's worth pointing out, Gareth. That, uh, did, you, did you see the way Brian, he changed the subject there, Brian? He seemed to kind of gloss over that a little bit then, didn't he? Uh, uh, yeah. No, I, listen, when I was assistant manager at Stranraer, he also came up to me and said, listen, I'm no starting every week. I, I need to be playing, you know. And we, we were in the championship at the time. So Stranraer, in particular, Neil said... You know, it didn't didn't look didn't look for to get money for Brian and Brian was leaving or anything. All Neil said is he's done really well for us. If he wants to go and play, then we'll let him go. You know, and and that was that. There was no holding back for an extra two hundred, three hundred pound or anything like that. It did a, it did as a turn, and the boy wanted to go and play. And I think that's what I admire about Brian. He always just wanted to play. You know, he would, he would be playing in the school playground. It didn't really matter, you know, if it was the Champions League or the playground. He wanted to play. He wanted to score goals. And I think it's a credit that he got as much out of his career as what he did. You know, but yes, I'm, and he'll agree with that. Not the most talented player, unless you call goal scoring <laughs> a talent, you know, because he was certainly a goal scorer, but he worked ever so hard, he was mentally strong, uh, and that's why I'm sure he'll be a success in management, uh, because he's got those attributes, uh, but he should be very, very proud of what he's achieved uh, in football. Thanks, John. Just lastly on this, Brian, do you look back at those kind of missed years and just think what might have been again or is it just something that you say you know you're, you're quite a positive guy so it happened and you just start a pointless dwelling on it there was it, it's one of it's it's one of these life things that it happens and you just you accept it and you move on there's you you can't change the past um in any way and do you regret anything no because that means you've done something wrong. You've no, you've no done it. And I, I gave it everything I had, and I was fortunate to go and do something for five years, six years that kids, there's millions of kids out there never get the opportunity to do, and that's to go and be a professional footballer. And I managed to do it, so I, I'm grateful and thankful for for that getting that opportunity. And I, and I've done it. I, no, I mean, I'd done it to the best of my ability. I'd done it at the best level I could possibly do it. Could I went higher? That's not for me to say. That's for others out there to make that 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 call on. But did I, did I give it everything I had to possibly get there? I think I did. And at the end of the day, I was grateful for everything I'd managed to achieve and what I'd done in football. Um, so... I've not, I've not got any regrets about anything that way or any, if you ask me there, do you think, oh, only what if? You'll never know. So I, I'm not, I'm content with what, what I got out here and what I've got now from it. So no, I've got no regrets or anything like that. My name's Thomas Irvine, manager of Force Wanderers. You're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West. Last week's Best of the West saw Conference A-side Athelie go head-to-head with Premiership Benbub at Duntley Park in the South of Scotland Challenge Cup. A 
Gary Carroll double and a Doherty OG show the conference side 3-0 up at half time. In the second half, Livingston pulled one back for the Bens before two more goals from the home side from Gary Smith and Dale Simeon saw Arthur run out well deserved and comfortable winners on the day. A big shout out also goes to co-host of the podcast and Paul Davis whose new main side have had back-to-back wins in the League and Cup respectively in the past 7-10 days. Also a big shout out to Darvo who defeated Auchinleck Talbot in a midweek fixture which is the first time the Talbot have lost since 2019 apart from the Senior Scottish Cup. Hello, my name is Willie Kinnebrough, manager of Gap Cairn. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. So just a reminder, this week I'm looking for the club from SPFL League One all the way down the divisions. Uh, that won the Junior Cup three times, the most recent in 1984. Uh, after winning the East Region Super League in 2010, they competed in the Scottish Senior Cup for the first time the following season. They reached the third round after beating Queen's Park in the second round. They moved to the East of Scotland League in 2018 and were promoted into the Lowland League last year. And former players include Ali Crawford, Louis Longridge, Willie McLaren and Scott Pittman. So Brian's pretty sure. So we'll come to you first, Stuart. I'm only, I'm only having you on. I'm What's pretty up, Brian? sure as well. Eh? I was pretty sure, but I'm now the longer no, I've thought Brian. about it. Well, t- tell me what you're... No. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure, Gareth. Uh, I also remember this team playing on a Friday night in BBC and Falkirk beat them in the Scottish Cup. So uh, a good friend of mine, Paul Ronald, was the manager. I don't know if he was the full manager or co-manager there. Uh, just very, very recently. Uh, the, the, does it start with a B, Stuart? It does. Aye, aye, it does. Aye. And uh, so, no, I, I, to be honest, it's quite an easy question for you. I've never had one right up until now, but certainly this week it's bonus. Yes. Well, I mean, I thought you might have been losing your confidence a little bit, Stuart, so I had to give you an easier one this week just to kind of keep your spirits up to make sure you come back on, on the show again. It's very kind of you, Gareth. Thank you. you no know, problem. And, uh, aye, aye. But, but bonus, what a lovely, the, the secretary, Davey, what was Davey's second name? Uh, bonus, terrific setup, uh, just a smashing club, you know, and, and they, they had a bit of competition with Shorts uh, at the, when Shorts were at their peak, you know, in Bowness. So, uh, no, no, a smashing set-up, and, but it's definitely Bowness. That was who I thought it was, yeah. Aye, right, Brian. <laughs> you were still wondering what day of the week they were playing, and you were asking, no, I know who it is. Nah, I I think it, that was psychological, you know. I was just having you on... Uh, a poker player never kind of shows his cards, Brian. Brian, just 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 last of all, um, we can't let you go with uh, asking you for any stories about Stuart. Uh, when when you were at Stranra, we had uh, Swifty was on way back in one of the earlier episodes and was telling us a few a few stories about Stuart. Uh, any anecdotes to Stuart? He was just always he was just always 
as a, he was a man that would always try and get a laugh in the changing room and stuff like that and keep the spirits high. Um, but no, to be honest, I can't remember everything like that. But he was always one of the guys that would, he was always joking and keeping the spirits high in the changing room. Um, definitely was. And he's been like that for I've known him, but he also had his, uh, his crabbit side, let's say. Um, I've seen him lose the, a few times, let's say. Gareth, aye, um, aye, no, no, your memory's fading, Brian, you know what I mean, as the year's gone, you know, it's just fading a wee bit, uh, but no, always placid, the same way, all the time. Uh, yeah, no. But who will we ask that, so, um, a couple of players for the past, let's see, Colin Gartner, Big Boomba, we'll ask, we'll ask Colin. <laughs> <laughs> when, 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 when players don't do what I think they should be doing, Brian, <laughs> no, 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 so much. Well, once I'll accept, but when they continually keep making the same mistake, that's that's what I was saying to Gareth. You know what I mean? To to sign you once is bad enough. To sign you three times, geez, oh man. Same mistake three times, but no, nah, it's certainly, I don't regret that. But no, nah, there's, listen, I've no doubts there's a number of players out there that, that off, didn't enjoy working for him. Well, that that's fine, aye. Uh, but right. maybe they should probably look at themselves first as well, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. Because that was something that I always did. I always felt I was honest and upfront with people. Uh, and if you liked it, then great. If you didn't like it, then I'm sorry, you know, you're not on the journey. Definitely, and as I say, that's, that's one of the things I, say I took early with Stuart, is that you say it how it is and you tell them what you think. No, it doesn't, it doesn't even be a bad way, but you, you tell them what you expect and things like that, and um, that's, that's one of the things I take. I, I do myself, generally try and um, tell the guys if they're not playing, if they've played for a few weeks and then I decide to leave them out, I, I generally try and pull them in before the game and explain to them why I've not played them and things like that. It's all about standards, Brian, you know, and if you fall below the, those standards, then, then, you know, you suffer. You know, you should have yep. a pride in yourself. Uh, yep. And as I said, the, the standard needs to be uh, a high standard, in my opinion. And listen, we're all guilty, and if we fall below those standards, then that's when things start going wrong. I mean, you talked about the Clyde job there. You know, I made a huge amount of mistakes at Clyde. Pro- probably taking the job in the first place was the biggest mistake, but I made mistakes in, in my choice of captain, backroom staff, a, a number of mistakes. And would I do, do it different? Of course. I would have sacked myself at Clyde if, if I'd been in the board. But again, you know, listen, that's football. It, life's far too short uh, to hold any too many crutches. Brian, appreciate you coming on the show tonight and uh, looking back over your career. And uh, we hope there's many more uh, good stories to come going forwards. Hope you hope you have a good game against uh, Lanark on uh, on Saturday, and we'll we'll hope, hopefully get you back on. For an update, uh, maybe later in the season, that'd be be great to hear from you a bit more then. Wish you the very best of luck, Brian. Thanks, Stuart. I appreciate the uh, asking me to come on and that, and it's it's good to look back over things um, at times and have a laugh. And uh, no, I enjoyed that. Thanks very much for having us on. Thank you. Thanks for sitting in for Paul as well, Stuart. Always always good to have you along. Thank you, Gareth. 
Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor, or a solution for your website. And don't forget, you can get in touch with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your audio featured on the show. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.